Are you ready? Hey, everybody. Hey, folks. Hello, everybody. People in the back. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the inner loop. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the inner loop. Without further ado. Without further ado. Okay, so without further ado, we're going to get started. We should get started. We're yeah. Rolling. I'm rolling. We're, we're, we're going to get started. <laughs> Welcome to the Inner Loop Radio. I'm Rachel Coons. And I'm Courtney Sexton. Thank you for joining us. If you haven't already, remember to subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, and check out our website at theinnerlooplit.org. For any new listeners out there here on the Inner Loop Radio, we delve into all things creative writing, whether that be inspiration or craft, publishing or editing, how to make a living, or just how we all sit down each day in front of an empty page. Sad. Uh, but to make us not sad, we invite friends <laughs> and local writers onto the show to talk about their writing journey, what inspires them, or to delve deeper into craft. On today's show, we want to talk about crossing genres, the funnest topic <laughs> of all. And I feel like this is very apropos for my current state because since I finished my book, I haven't wanted to go back to it. So instead, I've just been like writing a bunch of different genres, playing around, throwing spaghetti at the wall, seeing what sticks. Yeah. Didn't you tell me you took a poetry workshop recently? Yes, I've been. I took a poetry workshop and another workshop. And I'm going through a poetry book and I'm taking the Aaron Swift screenwriting class. All of this poetry, Rachel, I'm impressed. <laughs> I'm trying to be more like you, Courtney. Oh, just, you know, fluid and flexible and cross genre all the time. <laughs> but aren't you like a poet in your heart? I Secret am, yeah. Poet? Yeah, no, fiction is is definitely the thing that is hardest for me. Like, I've never really tried to do anything like straight fictional like I'm writing a novel you know Father John Misty style mm-hmm. I would love to uh totally. every time I try to write fiction it just comes out as non-fiction I'm yes. like I can't stop writing about myself <laughs> I've like I've I have had like a couple of little spurts where like a scene will come to me and I'm like yeah. who is this person that just showed Ooh. up in my head who is this oh. character love and it. like They've recurred there a few times, but I don't know what they're doing. So I, I what, are they doing? what are they I doing? I feel like we should mind this. <laughs> um, so this is we're going back like years now. And there's this girl slash young woman in her like, you know, early 20s who's a hyper empath. And like she can like feel butterfly wings crunching like to like that extent like it's a little bit like oh, that sounds realism. yeah 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 so it's like she's had, to, <laughs> she's had to like come up with all of these defense mechanisms to just move through the world it's um, like spider-man this is like spider-man yeah sure. <laughs> but she encounters this one day a young boy uh who is has autism and yeah he they somehow like really connect because she can sense more like how he's actually feeling almost more than he can Mm. and so it's I don't know it hasn't gone anywhere from there but the the opening scene where they meet I'm I actually love but anyway Courtney 
Courtney, we should do this. So, okay. like, speaking of this, let's talk about, like, why writers resist crossing genres. What do you think? Why do we resist it? We know it's good. We know it's good for us, like vitamins and vegetables. We got to have a varied diet. So, so why okay. do we resist? Here's one theory I have. Which Writing is hard enough to begin with. Mm. So, or like, especially carving out space to write is hard enough to begin with. And I yeah. liken it to when I tried to snowboard after having been a skier since the age of four. Mm. This is a good metaphor. And... Like, could I do it? Could I get down the hill? Sure. I was terrible. I spent most of the time on my ass. And at the end of the day, I was like, I'd rather just put the time into skiing because it's more enjoyable. Because I'm already, I've like already put all this work into learning it. Yeah. And if I do that, I'll get better and better and better. And then one day, you know, triple diamond black. Yeah, exactly. But if I switch to snowboarding, I'm back on the green. What the fuck? Exactly. Exactly. I love this metaphor. This is perfect. There you go. (laughs) Um, I do have to say, though, that crossing genres when you when you can get yourself to do it, I feel like it makes such a big difference in the quality of your writing, even when you do go back to your comfort genre, you know, absolutely. have so many more tools at your disposal. Yeah. Yep. You get out of your comfort zone and then you kind of bring those new experiences back to the familiar places. And then it's like brand new. Yeah. 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 So here's my question is, is can crossing genres be a gateway to crossing mediums like marijuana leads to cocaine and heroin? I feel like those are different things. Maybe that's a little bit of a mixed metaphor there, Rach. Um, no, but like, uh, if once I master poetry and screenwriting yeah. and fiction and nonfiction and playwriting, can I then like start, you know, painting and drawing? Ooh, okay. I mean, maybe. So, I mean, you know me. I have always felt like one art influences another. And okay, I'm terrible at sculpting. I'm like very mediocre at painting. But doing those things does inspire my writing yes totally and it's weird it's like an inexplicable like way like it's much more easy to articulate how crossing genres improves your writing it's less easy to articulate why drawing improves your writing but it definitely does like you can feel the difference sure sure well, I think we should stop babbling and get more on this. From Wait, don't you want to hear more about my non-existent novel? No. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do like a special postscript mm-hmm. where people have to, you know, subscribe to hear Courtney wax on about a non-existent yeah, and novel. And no one's allowed to steal that idea also. <laughs> I'm copywriting it here and now. Stolen. Consider it already stolen. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Up next, we invite a playwright, a ghostwriter, and a poet to join us. Uh, We'll hear from Authors Corner September Spotlight, Allison Gold Weinberg. Stay tuned. Gather. (laughs) Gather. Gather, boy. You can gather in. Gather around, gather around for the second half. Started. We're gonna get started. We'll get started. We're officially getting started. I'm not teasing you this time. Welcome.
welcome back to the Inner Loop Radio. We've been discussing crossing genres, and now we'd like to welcome poet, playwright, and ghostwriter Allison Gold Weinberg, author of Bellow and Hiss from fin- Finishing Line Press, her debut poetry collection, and our September Authors Corner Spotlight. Welcome, Allison. Thank you. Hi, Rachel and Courtney. Hello. We're thrilled to have you. Before we talk about anything else, I have to ask you, what is ghostwriting like? What is ghostwriting like? Um, it's very intimate. Um, mm. y- you kind of, I mean, in reality, you're you're a Cyrano de Bergerac. You you engage with sort of the subject, and then you kind of melt into the speaker. <laughs> mm. um, so it is kind of it's almost like being an actor in which you, you, you have to embody sort of the thoughts and feelings of somebody else. And the question is, how do you do that? Um, and for me, um, it would typically mean months of interviews, like these kinds of conversations that we're about to have, but with me asking kind of weird off the wall questions mm-hmm. that you might normally not ask in a professional interview to get at weird sort of essential pieces of the person. Wow, so interesting. Like what's an example of the weirdest question that you ask? Okay, so this is maybe the weirdest, but it's probably the most effective. I usually ask, what what song do you listen to when you're in the car by yourself, when the windows roll down at maximum volume? (laughs) And it is shocking what people say. Like, I've had politicians <laughs> say really wild things. Like when someone you think is going to say something kind of wild is like, oh, very it's Kenya. Very but like someone will say Led Zeppelin, and I'm like, oh, really? You know, like I'm always just like, wow, okay. It's never not surprising, and it just gives you this insight to like who they are when they're sort of a naked, when they're not putting on a mask. Yeah. And we need to get in under that so that I can write really from who they are. Yeah. Amazing. I'm so fascinated. <laughs> <laughs> so you ghostwrite, uh, you write plays, you wrote a play, and now you have this book of poetry. So tell us, for you, how, do, how does crossing genres, writing in different genres, how, does, how do they inform each other? Yeah, I mean, I agree with a lot of what you both have said. I'd say I've always been kind of genre fluid. Um, I love this, by the way. I love this. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we've coined that as a term today. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah um, genre fluid. But it's but it is interesting. It's not it's not not relevant to the idea of binaries. Like sure. I think sometimes we really do think I'm a poet. I'm not a fiction writer. Or I'm a nonfiction writer. I'm not a speech writer. And like we put ourselves into these false categories. Yeah. Um, and what I've learned, especially the last few years, was that the writing that I thought was like my personal creative writing was also my professional writing. And my professional writing, like speech writing and ghost writing, was also personal. And that it's all of a piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so funny that you used that language because one of the questions uh, I had written down for the first part of the show that I didn't get to was, will we ever live in a post-genre world? 
we we have some really beautiful examples and you know it's fun like i feel like i get so much um i get so much energy from other artists mm-hmm. especially ones working in either other genre or other mediums like for example the cover of my book which won't we we can't show I don't think because it's coming um out at the end of the month but it's very beautiful and it's beautiful painting um that a friend of mine did and I saw it and I just knew that that was the cover of the book and what was Mm. fun is I had sent her the manuscript and she had picked the same painting to be on the cover as I had wow wow so we were like like this is it (laughs) It's meant um, to be. <laughs> yeah, it was really, it's really fun. And then, of course, as a playwright, I love working with actors. I feel mm-hmm. like we can only be improved by working with other people and yeah. like creating together. I mean, so I many agree, times yeah. as writers, we're sitting in our own little room by mm-hmm. ourselves. So, well, and yeah, that's the same. Sorry, Rach. That's you know, that's why we have to read others all the time, right? Like it's the same reason. It's like, even if they're not with us in the flesh, like we're getting Mm -hmm. those vibes, that energy, those, those craft things, you know, like there are things that can be borrowed from all different genres and even mediums. I agree. Yeah. I was just going to echo that and say, I think right. All writing is improved by adding like different elements of different genres. The more you sort of genre bend, the better, better the writing is. <laughs> it's true. I'm just hitching my wagon to this metaphor. Yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> going right on. into the night. I do feel that it's apt, and like I feel like the most exciting work to me is up against those boundaries. Whether it is poem with a surrealist bent, or play with poetry in it, or you know, it's just it's exciting. It's exciting. It feels almost like collage to me to layer these yeah. two on top of each other. I love that you said that. Um, I literally used to, when we used printers more, um, when I was editing or doing a, a revision or a second draft, would cut apart yeah. what I was working on and, and kind of move it around and play with it. And that's, yeah. Yes. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I think sometimes all of my senses want to be involved. And so I'll hear music that goes with the poem and I'll think of images that goes with the poem or play Mm -hmm. or whatever I'm writing. And then I'm like, well, I get really greedy. I want them all in it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Totally. I I go to residencies and meet all these like artists who work with all the different mediums, you know, and I'm so envious. I'm like, why didn't why can't, why do I not allow myself, like somebody asked them in a Q&A, how did you decide to bring in, you know, like, you know, acting in with your writing or like a performative aspect or music? Um, and, you know, how did you get into this multimedia art? And they were like, I just gave myself permission. Exactly. I just did it. I just said, I can, I'm allowed. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And I was like, wow. Right? Like, because you're, let's say you're a poetry major, which I was. I majored in creative writing with a concentration in poetry, but I also wrote fiction and I also wrote, you know, nonfiction and plays. But it's like at some point I just had to define myself. And yeah. I think sometimes we get too stuck in that definition. Rachel, I do wonder how old 
those artists were. They're, they actually were my age. Well, okay. maybe 30s. <laughs> I'm, slow, I'm, I'm, get, I'm peeking out of my 30s in a minute here. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's interesting because I do think my, my children are both artists and I do think I've learned that a little more freedom and playfulness from them. They're both kind of Definitely. all media, all media, all genre all the time. And so mm-hmm. they both act, they both sing, they both write, they both nice. film. And, and it's so cool. Yeah. So let's all just give ourselves let's permission. Just, let's all just be 20 again. No, <laughs> no, no. No, thanks. <laughs> Good. Thank you. And also, my, I don't think my kids would be like, oh, great. Mom's doing performance art. <laughs> I would support that, Allison. I, I would support it. I support that. I don't. They would not want that. Yeah, so there's a lot there's a lot of nudity involved and like you know Yes, again, I completely support I that. support it too, yeah. Let's all just act like we're living in New York City, okay? They That's give right. everybody permission to do anything. Exactly. So like it's all art. So speaking of art, why don't you tell us about your latest poetry collection? I would love to hear about Bellow and Hiss and Absolutely. you know how it started. How did you find the like inspiration to develop it into a full collection? How it started, how it's going. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It started actually, this is, I think, kind of unique. But, you know, I was a poet from, you know, sort of teens on. And then like many people who have a partner and children, I had to kind of put that as my focus aside to a little bit, maybe just focus on writing poetry when I was at a workshop or residency, like you talked about. Um, and focus on the paying work. Um, so, but when they got a little older, I simultaneously started writing poetry again and going into psychoanalysis. Mm. And the book kind of, I know people say this and it sounds trite, but the book did kind of write itself. Um, because I started writing these particular poems as a part of psychoanalysis by, you know, there were things that I was getting in touch with from my childhood and my past that were too painful or too um, obscure to me and and not available enough to me to write about in any other form than poetry. Mm. And so I felt very blessed that, you know, we talk about the toolkit. This is not something that could be written for me, at least as nonfiction, like a memoir. It wasn't something I could write as fiction that felt still too close. But poetry just felt like, you know, sort of the baby bear just right. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And so I actually, you know, when something would come up in therapy, I would write a poem sort of as an answer or response to a moment within the within the therapy and bring it in. And and then we discuss it because it was so painful to discuss with no context in the Mm -hmm. poem. I'd sort of like the unconscious material behind whatever the memory or experience was. So that went on for a while. And then I realized that there was a trajectory to them. I started um, sending them out and I was 51 at the time. (laughs) And even though I'd been a writer my whole life, I had never sent my work out. Um, But I started to feel like, what do I have to lose? And, um, and then I got acceptances and won a few prizes Amazing. and got 
got a lot of confidence. Um, so yeah. And then, you know, eventually it felt like a book because it kind of moved across what I call the yearning curve. You could see. I love that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, you can see growth. You could also see, I mean, some of my poems are dark uh, and they can be darkly funny, but uh, some of them are really dark. A lot of them are dark. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. We love dark. They're a bit dark. Um, <laughs> but they go from darkness to light. They move and progress. Mm. Um, and uh, and so, yeah, so this was actually, it got published because I sent it in for a particular competition, New Women's Voices Chapel competition that Finishing Line Press holds mm. each year. And they picked mm. it. So, wow. so almost here. Amazing. Well, I would love to hear some yeah. poems after that amazing okay. description. Okie doke. Well, so as I said, Bellow and Hiss is not a memoir, but you could you could call it a memoir in verse. Um, and this poem lives in that fraught kind of middle place of adolescence. It's called Cusp. One, crown first into dirt. I mildly concussed, not my sport riding. I'm not a ponytail swinging girl who perfumes the path with green apple shampoo, who calls me out in the summer camp shower room. Hey, ice cream tone tits. Two, in the city to see Annie, dad and I choke down chunks of meat and bun. I hold a cold Coke to my forehead. Does your face hurt? It's killing me. That's what he says, his favorite joke. It's my birthday and my gift is Broadway and Neil Simon is all that's left at TKTS. Not some tap dancing three orphan. On stage and off an awkward father and daughter pas de deux. I ought to be in pictures. Mom would have chosen better. But this is the summer of 1981, and she's tied up in Danbury Hosp, getting brain zap ital. Z she's tied up in Danbury getting tied up, brain zap. She's my mom sending smoke signals from the psych ward. I love the green apple scent so evocative of teenagehood in the 80s and 90s yeah i also that closing image the the sending signals it's like there's so many ways you see that especially when thinking about electricity like it just yeah the next poem is a part of a series of how-to poems that i like to write they allow me to create a kind of container for feelings that are difficult to contain and this one is called How to Make a Poet. You can do this the old fashioned way, your junk or some other guys, put it in a drawer, let it prove. Does it rise? Punch it down, prove it again. Send to study with dead men who worship hawks and alcoholics. Do not give your poet authentic praise. Try, you could be Miss America. Say, if I wasn't your father, linger on its waist to hip ratio, tweak its nipples, be creepy, 
about cheekbones act a bit incestuous. Absence is good of the mother, better. Literal death or some other spirit or intellect, this also works for fairy tales. This also works for witches. Your poet needs words. It needs curses. It will take time, but it will find them. Do not help your poet in any way. Important. Walk it over broken glass. Let it hurt. Ignore it. Wow. Very well done. I feel like so many people try the how-to yeah. format and it falls flat. But that was... Yeah, <laughs> did not. <laughs> <That's terrible. laughs> Okay, the next one's a little funny. <laughs> it's it's actually like I said, we like dark. Don't feel like you're easy on us. I why I'm apologizing. It's like I'm uh, a poet. Like, what do you want? Yeah, a- <laughs> we want dark. Paint okay. it black. Give it to us. Um, okay, so so just after a lockdown, I think I mentioned in 2020, I wrote a magic realism play about psychoanalysis called Object Relation. So as I was writing the poems as Allison, I was also writing a play about a poet named Sam who wrote poems in psychoanalysis. Mm-hmm. And um, the main character, Sam, wrote this this poem um, sort of as a fuck you to the therapist, um, where she kind of takes on the therapist role and kind of skewers it. History. What is your middle name? When were you potty trained? Who was your first love? Why do you cry? Who am I? Doctor, it doesn't matter. Neither does nurture or nature. I just appear. I care. I promise. I swear I will be there. I seize and mm-hmm's spouting north to south, speeding down the DSM-5, riding shotgun with Oedipus, your mother, and the pothole in your heart. I have a cup of something hot. Do you like my throw pillows? That's my landscaper, should I answer? Do you need an earthly body? Do you want to drown? Have a sip of water. We still have time. Awesome. I feel so connected, Allison. I'm in psychoanalysis yeah. too. I've been for 15 yes. years. <laughs> We've been Rachel just sent me a list of people as well. I was like, I think this is I think this is where I need to like move. Yeah. How many years, Rachel? 15. Yes, Queen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it does exactly where I am. I'm at 15. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a... so you know what? I do firmly believe this wasn't planned, but like this is an advertisement for psychoanalysis. Um, <laughs> I do firmly believe it helps the craft. I really do. Yeah. Um, I agree. Because you can't write from the self if you don't know the self. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Oof. Girl. Well, this has been <laughs> one of the best discussions we've ever had on the Interlude yeah. Radio. Um, you can find out more about Allison, read more interviews and articles, and buy her book, Bellow and Hiss, on our website, theinterlooplit.org. 
slash authors corner available now for order. You can also catch Allison on our next Interloop reading event on September 19th and at her book launch at the Writer's Center on November 7th. Uh, but Allison, before we let you go, will you play a little game with us? Sure. Rachel loves the games. Lovely. I think this one's going to be fun. Up next, <laughs> we will find out what Leaves of Grass would have sounded like as a screenplay. We turn now to a little cross-genre writing game. I'm really, really excited about this game. It's going to be so good. <laughs> um, before the show, I gave each of us, myself, Courtney, and Allison, a famous piece of writing, and we each had to turn it into a completely different genre. And I feel like this game is amazing. Why don't people play this game all the time? All I the have time. the best experience. What about you guys? Yeah, it oh, was really fun, actually. <laughs> It's a great tool, really. You, it's, it's. I loved it. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. So, um, I, I want to try it with like something of my own next time, because like often my mm. like poetry will inform or like lay the groundwork for like longer essays of mine. But I would love to like take a finished piece and actually try to do it. Anyway. Totally. What a yeah. Idea. I will like, say on that note, I had I did a workshop recently, and that was something we had to do, which was basically. It was with Gabrielle Calvo, Calvo Caressi. And um, what they did was say, take your poem, already written poem, and now translate your poem. Mm-hmm. Mm. And that was just like kind of ineffable. I couldn't really even understand what that meant, but then you do it and it came out really cool. Wow. I love that. I love all these ideas. I'm going to write them all down. and. <laughs> Um, okay, so I thought maybe we would start with you, Courtney. Um, okay. for listeners, Courtney had my personal favorite um prompt. She had to uh take the monologue, the always be closing monologue from Glen Gary Glenn Ross. Um, which I don't know if you all know it, but you def everybody knows the always be closing. Basically, Alec Baldwin comes in and reams out all of these employees for being terrible salesmen. And he screams and curses at them. And it's hilarious and wonderful. Um, It's a classic monologue. So Courtney had to take that and turn it into poetry. So this is not actually funny. Um, (laughs) Did you go dark? That's what happened. (laughs) (laughs) That's what happened. Um, Okay. It's called The Boys Club. Which, again, like not super original, but here we are. The boys club is where boys go to talk about money and cars and to be afforded the luxury of talking about money and cars. Boys in the boys club sell souls, the things no one wants but everyone needs. The boys and the boys club go home to their wives when they're good and ready or sometimes not at all because they at least learned the alphabet and they always be closing. <laughs> 
You like that? Yeah, I do like that. Love <laughs> it. That's where I am. Yep. Love yep. it. Wow. Nice work. Work. Thanks. Uh, I, thanks. That's what a little a little bit of effort gets me. What if I put a lot of effort into something? It would be amazing. Totally. <laughs> Hopefully that inspires you. Just gets those wheels turning. Always. Okay. I um, yours. Yeah, so mine, I was going to do my next. Um, I ha- I took Alice in Wonderland mm-hmm. and turned it into a memoir. <laughs> Ooh. Nice. Right. Here's what we got. It all started with a flash of white, and then everything changed. If I had been a different person, perhaps I would have been satisfied sitting by the river, listening to the water gurgle, and watching my sister read line after line little words marching dutifully along the pages with no pictures to shake them up. But I wasn't that person. Back then, the ordinary world seemed to me not just boring, but torturous in its mundanity, an endless, agonizing stretch of nothing to do and nowhere to be, much like the stretch of words in my sister's book that had nowhere interesting to go. It made me wonder what was the point of all this time, if we're just going to simply sit through it. And therein lies the irony. Time seemed useless to me then, but now, after the flash of white that altered the course of my life forever, time seems as precious to me as it did to that rabbit with a waistcoat and pocket watch. Cute, I like it. <laughs> I was like, I can do this. Yeah. I can get that memoir yeah. tone. <laughs> I loved it. Mm-hmm. All right. Grand finale, everyone. Allison, show <laughs> us up. Allison's time for Allison, Allison to shine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I asked Alan, Allison to take Icing the Body Electric from Leaves of Grass, Walt Whitman, and turn it into a piece of fiction. And she turned it into a play, which uh, we will all read for you now. Yes. Okay. Title of the play is Leaves of Grass. Speed dating with Walt Whitman in the multiverse. (laughs) Fucking love it. Good evening, (laughs) and welcome back to the smash hit surreality show, Leaves of Ass, I mean grass. (laughs) Speed dating with Walt Whitman in the multiverse. I'm your host, Will and Grace's Sean Hayes. Woo! Each suitor will have 30 seconds to win Walt's heart. When the dinger dings, Walt, you must move to the next chair. Last week you lingered with Bob Dylan and it got so be more like a rolling stone this week. <laughs> Today's suitors are Sylvia Plath. Girl, would it kill you to smile? Don't answer that. Lynn Manuel Miranda and David Bowie. Now let's flex that diction. Sylvia, you're first. Rise from those ashes with your red hair, honey. Ding! She sits opposite Walt. The love of the body of man or woman balks account. The body itself balks account. And when you find someone to whom you feel you can pour out your soul, you stop in shock at the words you utter. And if the body does not do fully as much as the soul, and if the body were not the soul, what is the soul? Kiss me, and you will see how important I am. 
ding. That got a little dark. Next is Lin-Manuel Miranda. Pardon me, are you? Lock up your daughters and horses, of course. It's hard to have intercourse over four sets of courses. <laughs> no more sex. Pour me another brew, son. Let's raise a couple more to the revolution. Well, now I'm quoting Walt as Lynn. Two apprentice boys, quite grown, lusty, good-natured, native-born, out on the vacant lot at sundown, copes and coats and caps thrown down. Ding! Ooh, is it hot in here? <laughs> Bowie sits down. The expression of a well-made man appears not only in his face, it is in the joints of his hips and wrists. The strong, sweet quality strikes through the cotton and broadcloth. How many times does an angel fall? <laughs> the swimmer, naked in the swimming bath, seen as he swims through the transparent green shine, the bending forward and backward of rowers and rowboats, the horseman in his saddle. Check ignition and may God's love be with you. <laughs> I think we have a winner. We'll see you next week on Leaves of Grass, Speed Dating with Woo! Walt Whitman in the Multiverse. <laughs> All right. So I'm not a singer, maybe. <laughs> You guys were great. I loved yours. Thank you so much for being on the show, playing with us and sharing your new work with us. My great pleasure. That's our show. We'll be back next Monday with our Just Checking In series where we give our writer friends a call to hear how their writing lives are going. And if you want to hear or learn more about The Inner Loop and all of our programming, visit us at theinnerlooplit.org, where you can also donate to support us and local literature. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Inner Loop Lit. Today's episode was produced by me, Rachel Kuntz. Our theme music is by Andrew Logan, and our technical advisor is James Skinner. Thanks again to Allison Gold Weinberg for joining us on the show. And if you enjoyed today's episode, sing a song of yourself. Or if you're like me and you're singingly challenged, you could leave us a review. Such as, I sing the inner loop electric. The armies of writers I love engirth me and I engirth them. They will not let me off till I subscribe to them, listen to them, and donate to them, and leave them a review with the charge of my soul. Engirth. Yes. Engirth. And don't forget to subscribe. Subscribe. Subscribe so you can get inspired, get focused, and get lit on the Interloop Radio. Happy writing. <laughs> <laughs>